Good afternoon, everyone. I am Matthew Varus, and welcome to Matt's World, where it is my world, and you all just live in it. It is Wrestle Talk Wednesday, and got lots to get into today. But first, we are going to kick it off with the kombucha of the day. Yep. Finally went to the grocery store, got me some kombucha. Got me uh, kombucha blueberry ginger. Not really big on ginger, but it does have blueberry. So I thought I might give it a try. And this is from Nature's Promise Organic Kombucha. This is what I got from Stop and Shop. And of course, as you heard in the intro, that is the intro from the first ever summer slam yep the first ever summer slam summer slam 1988 and we're going to be looking at a match from the first ever summer slam 88 cheers also i've never tried this kombucha before so uh yep give it a the old college try here It's okay. Not bad, but not good. You know, it's okay. Maybe once in a while I would probably have this. <clears throat> Alright, so now we're going to get into some wrestling. And of course, the biggest wrestling news coming out of this week from Money in the Bank. That's right, money in the bank. Liv Morgan not only won the money in the briefcase women's match, which was incredible, but she cashed it in on Ronda Rousey, and now she is the new WWE Women's SmackDown Champion. And... I had the privilege of watching that on Saturday, and when I saw that, 
I was, um, you know, I was very, very shocked. You know, I actually thought um, she was going to cash it in on Bianca Belair, you know, because she's part of Raw. And, you know, I mean, of course she was my pick to, um, to win it. And, you know, I mean, well, I mean, my other pick was... Also, Lacey Evans, because they have been pushing Lacey Evans pretty hard on SmackDown. But, uh, ultimately, I went with Liv Morgan. You know, Liv Morgan being the underdog. And Liv Morgan, of course, when it came to the big one, she has come up short. And it was nice to see her win the big one with the briefcase. And I had my phone out. I had my cell phone out. And... You know, I wanted to get a picture of when it would happen. And, of course, it didn't happen during the Bianca Belair versus um, Carmella match. I mean, kind of teased it a little bit after Carmella attacked Bianca after the match. And that would happen. And then we got uh, Ronda versus Natalia, And they had a great technical masterpiece. It was a awesome match. I mean, um, I mean, let's face it. These are two of the best, uh, female technical wrestlers in WWE right now. I mean, I mean, Natalia, she's, I mean, she really is the gatekeeper at this point right now. I mean, Natalia's never going to win another women's championship. I mean, I mean, she's not going to win the Raw or the SmackDown one. I mean, will she win another uh, women's tag if and when they ever decide to bring back the women's tag team titles again? I don't know. But as far as the singles title, no. No, she is, um, she is definitely just going to be putting people over at this point. But nevertheless, still had a great match with Ronda. They did a thing where Ronda injured her knee and still pulled off the armbar. And then all of a sudden, Liv Morgan's music hit. And I was like, oh my god, she's finally going to do it. And of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, is this going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is it? Is it not going to happen? And then all of a sudden, you know, it it happened, you know, she came in, you know, she cashed in the briefcase, Ronda got an ankle lock, Liv uh, kicked out her bad knee, and then rolled her up, got the one, two, three, and won it, and it looked like, after the victory, it looked like for a minute Ronda was going to attack her, but then she just handed her the belt and just said, you know, tonight was your night, and raised her hand, and everyone went crazy, and I I remember I took the picture of her, you know, posing with the belt, and I sent it to my friend uh, Mallory uh, Cantwell, which, by the way, hi, Mallory. Hey, girl, what's up? Hope to hang out with you soon. Uh, who was also watching the pay-per-view as well. She has Peacock. And I also sent it to my good friend Kenny Benash, and I wrote with the caption, and new! Yep. And that was just, uh, I mean, that was just awesome. It was an awesome moment. 
And I am so proud of Liv Morgan. And, you know, Liv Morgan, she definitely deserved it. I mean, this was definitely her night. And let me tell you something. And this is coming straight from the from the heart here. I have criticized WWE in the past. You know, I mean, I have taken diarrhea shits on this company. But when they get it right, they definitely get it right. And that night, they got it right with Liv Morgan. Because, you know, you know, for all the bad stuff that's gone on with WWE, especially lately, you know, with the uh, with the bus flips, you know, letting certain members go this past year, uh, some of the bad decisions of, you know, pushes, especially with the men's money in the bank, which I will save for another day. You know, this was good. This was absolutely good because Liv Morgan, you know, we all saw saw her and, you know, the Riot Squad and, you know, they never, the Riot Squad, they never won the women's tag team titles and, you know, most people thought that it was Ruby Riot that was gonna go on and be like champion and she was gonna go on and you know, and do big things, and then, of course, she got let go, uh, eventually, even when they tried to reunite the, the Riot Squad, and then, um, you know, and that left Liv and Limbo, uh, you know, Sarah, I mean, Sarah, she's, um, I mean, I think she's pretty much done with wrestling now, I mean, I know she tried an MMA career, and then I heard she was trying to get back into wrestling, um, Ruby Soho, Ruby Riot, whatever you call her nowadays, uh, she's an AEW, which is great, but uh, she's starting to become like an afterthought now. I mean, I still have a little bit of hopes for her, but uh, I, I don't know. But for Liv Morgan, for her to now be the breakout star, for her to go on to have the great career after the Riot Squad is just phenomenal it is great and you know and i talked about this on the um you know on the chris benoit um you know on one of the chris benoit episodes is that um you know people like Liv morgan you know people in the wrestling business like like them daniel bryan ray mysterio eddie guerrero you know even Right now, you know, with uh, with CM Punk, you know, they are good for this business. They prove that you can be any gender, any race, any creed, color, size in the wrestling business as long as you're willing to bust your ass. I mean, let me tell you something. I saw Chris Jericho, Rey Mysterio, and W... CW. I mean, they never went, got past, you know, cruiserweights or television or tag teams. They never got past the mid card, you know, section. When they came to WWE, you know, they went on to become future world champions. And you could say whatever you want about their title runs and blah, blah, blah. But still, it was tremendous to see them 
that go on to become main eventers, to see them get big pushes. And, you know, and it really does go to show you that dreams really do come true. And look, yeah, it can be a little hokey. Yes, sometimes it can be manufactured. But you know what? The way that the world is now, we need feel-good moments. Okay? We need feel-good moments. And let me tell you something. Live Morgan is a feel-good moment. I mean, if you look back on our documentary on on WWE Network, you know, on Peacock, I mean, she really, I mean, she has gone through hell. I mean, I mean, family with mental issues and, you know, her brothers, and now she has a little sister and, you know, having a poor family and she's saying that wrestling was her escape. And I can definitely relate to that because um, pro wrestling was my escape. You know, I mean, I was watching wrestling when I was in uh, going into the fifth grade. And um, actually, uh, August, the end of August will actually be the anniversary of when I started watching wrestling. And um, it became more of my escape in middle school and high school when I was getting picked on, you know, watching, um, you know, WWE SmackDown, watching WCW Worldwide, you know, well, I watched more of those when, um, when we got our cable cut off and we couldn't afford cable and, uh, you know, what have you. So I missed, I mean, I would go over to my cousin's house, you know, and in the summertime and what have you, or if I had, uh, time off from school to watch Nitro and, and Raw, you know, during the Monday Night Wars. And that was my escape, you know, or I'd watch, uh, you know, my rest, you know, wrestling tapes, you know, that I would buy from the video stores or I'd rent from Blockbuster. And, you know, that was my escape, you know, and, you know, we can all re relate to that. You know, we, as wrestling fans, we can all relate to watching wrestling to escape from, you know, real life problems, whether it was, you know, problems with family, whether it was problems at school or just, you know, problems in life, period. And, you know, the only difference is, is that uh, unlike Liv Morgan, I didn't. I wasn't blessed with the athletic abilities <laughs> to go on to become a professional wrestler. I mean, I did at one point want to be a wrestler. I mean, Shawn Michaels was um, one of my favorite wrestlers. I mean, um, I mean, I mean, the Hell in a Cell match with the Undertaker. I mean, that really made me want to be a wrestler. And also the uh, Iron Man match with uh, with Bret Hart at WrestleMania 12. Of course, uh, you know, I, you know, that never happened, but, but, you know, that was an escape for me and, you know, getting back into wrestling, you know, before the pandemic hit, you know, it just made me realize how much I loved it back then and I felt like a kid again and, you know, and I see it nowadays with the younger generation. And you know what? The, you know, the younger generation, yeah, some of them, they don't know about, you know, the attitude, 
Attitude Eras or the, the Golden Era with Hulk Hogan and Warrior and Macho Mans and Ric Flair's and what have yous. But with any generation, you know, they watch wrestling, they get inspired, and they become lifelong fans, and some of them go on to become wrestlers themselves. And Liv Morgan is one of those people who watched wrestling during the Attitude Era, watched it with Trish Stratus and Lita, and said, you know what, I want to be a wrestler. I want to be a WWF, which was what it was called at the time, a WWF wrestler. I want to be on WWF TV. And she went down to the Performance Center, wrestled at NXT, and the rest, as they say, is history, man. And... Let me tell you something. She is the feel-good story, man. And we've heard stories about wrestlers like her. You know, like, not just her, but people like CM Punk. Uh, you know, Daniel Bryan, or, or I should say, uh, uh, Bryan Daniels. Even, you know, you want to go further back. You know, Mick Foley. You know, Mick Foley. You know... Being told, you know, like, you'll never be anything in this business. You know, you'll you'll always be a mid-carter. I mean, hell, I remember when Mick Foley won his first world championship. Of course, I didn't watch it on Raw. You know, I watched it on Livewire, you know, because, you know, school night and what have you. But when he won his first WWE championship, you know, it was a feel-good moment. You know, this was somebody who... For years, it was in mid-card, in, in WCW as Cactus Jack, and, you know, was mid-cards in ECW. Even though in ECW, he shined, and, you know, he became, you know, the hardcore legend. Of course, he was a hardcore legend in Japan as well. And to finally come to the WWF, and to finally win the big one, to win the world championship, it was an inspiration, you know, it was an inspiration, it was the feel-good moment, you know, it proved that you didn't have to have, you know, the, a bodybuilder's body, you didn't have to have a great physique, you just had to have charisma, you had to have skill, and you had to be willing to bust your ass, and let me tell you something, a guy like Mick Foley, who for years, you know, being powerbombed on a bed of thumbtacks, getting burned, bled, you know, uh, losing an ear. Let me tell you something. Nobody can look at that man and tell me that he did not bust his ass for years. And he busted his ass to become the world champion. And Liv Morgan, after years with the Riot Squad, years of false starts, you know, going solo you know, and injuries and what have you. She busted her ass to get where she is today. Where she goes from here, I have no idea. But let me tell you something. That night, Money in the Bank 2022 belongs to her, man. And even if her title reign doesn't last long, she can still look back on that day and say, I was champion. And I know you wrestling 
well, some of you fans who are not wrestling fans who will go, oh, why is it so important? It's a fake sport. It's choreographed. It's predetermined. Blah, 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 blah. Shut up. Okay? Shut up. Okay? Because let me tell you something. Yes, we know it's predetermined. Yes, we know it's not a real sport. But you know what? It's It still feels good for us because people like Liv Morgan, like I said again, who have been told you're not going to be anything in this business, you won't amount to anything, finally do it. And you know what? It gives hope to the younger generation, the next generation that comes up. And you know what? And that's not just a wrestling thing. That's a human thing. And it happens in all sports, okay? We've seen it how many times in boxing? Dozens of times. We've seen it dozens of times in basketball, in football, baseball, hockey. We've seen it dozens of times, okay? The Rocky Balboas, the Kevin Durants, the, the Bobby, uh, uh, what's his name? The, uh, the hockey player. Oh, I can't, who used to play for the, who used to play for the, uh, oh yeah, Bobby Orr. Yeah, Bobby Orr from the, from the, from the, from the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Okay. We've seen it dozens of times. It doesn't matter what race, what gender, creed, color you are. You just have to go out there and you just have to bust your ass. You bust your ass, dreams will come true. Or, as a bad guy once said, work hard, dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. And let me tell you something, man. Liv Morgan is living the dream. And I am so proud of her. Not only as a wrestling fan, but as a human being. To see where she's come from and to see where she is now, man. And that's, that's all I got to say. It's now time for the WWF home video review. And for this one, we're looking at the life and times of Captain Lou Albano. Yep. And this is one that I did not enjoy. Spoiler alert. It was released... February 1st, 1986, here, and the host of it was Gorilla Monsoon, and when we watch the video, we first see a match between Andre the Giant, Hillbilly Jim, and Captain Lou against Bobby the Brain Heenan, Big John Studd, and King Kong Bundy. This match took place at Madison Square Garden. We see Andre and Stud lock up, but then it cuts to the next match, which is a cock tease. Yeah, they cock tease the whole thing, so that's one star. And we go to this next match, which is Captain Lou versus Tony Angelo. Uh, this match is from the 70s, and it took place in Philly. Lou and Gorilla on commentary 
Tony is mostly in charge of the match until Tony misses the knee in the corner and Captain Lou wins it. It was way too short and would have loved to see more footage, so therefore I give it one star. Next, we have a young Rick Martell taking on Captain Lou. And this match was at the Spectrum Center in Philly, and this was early in Rick Martell's career. Lou jumps Martell early and throws him out of the ring. Lou twice rams Martell into the ring post until he gets back in the ring. Lou takes control and uses his wrist tape for leverage until Rick starts taking over. Captain Lou runs out of the ring, and Martell wins by countout. The match was good up until the end, but it's a lot better than the first two matches, so I gave it three stars, which is okay. And next, we get Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito versus the Strong Bro Brothers. Yeah. Uh, this is a two out of three falls match, and Lou was managing Saito and Fuji at the time. Saito distracts the ref and allows Fuji to throw salt in their eyes and a headbutt to Jay's brother, Jules, um, nuts, and win the first fall. We don't see the rest of the match, and it goes... To the next one which is once again a cock tease so that's one star and next we have fuji saito and albano versus rick martel tony garcia and tony atlas this took place at the spectrum center the bad guys get the upper hand at first beating the piss out of garcia until he finally makes the tag to Atlas, Tony starts beating on Saito and goes for the pin, but it's broken up by Fuji and he's tagged in. Fuji tags in Lou and starts beating on him until Tony hulks up and tags Fuji back in to take over. Saito tags in and finally Atlas tags in Martel. Uh, re we then cut to Fuji tags in Lou and he starts punishing Rick. Rick finally tags Garcia and he's on fire. Uh, I sorry, Garcia. Garcia gets Fuji in a head in head domino stretch and the ref gets distracted by Tony Atlas, allowing Saito to come off the top from behind. And the bad guys get the pinfall. A lot better than the match, though. I mean, than the last match, though. A bit short. So, once again, I give it three stars. So, it's an okay match. Next, we have the Wild Samoans versus Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas for the WWF Tag Team Titles. I've already did a review of this match for my review of Wrestling's... Um, Bloopers, bleeps, and body slams, and it's still the same. Four stars. You can go and read my full review of that. Uh, 
We also see the interview segment from TNT from the wrestling bloopers video. We then see an interview with Captain Lou and the women's champion, Wendy Rector. And then we cut to the WWF tag team title match between Dick Murdoch and Adrian Adonis versus the Wild Samoans. This match took place at MSG and Captain Lou is the guest ref. The Samoans start off hot and we then skip ahead to Murdoch taking over on Sika until Sika slams both guys and we get all four men in the ring. The Samoans go, I mean, got the champs down on the outside and Murdoch finally gets back in. The match goes on and the Samoans are back in charge until Dick makes the tag. We skip ahead to Adonis punishing Sika until Sika gets back in control and we get mayhem. Sika covers Adonis and Lou makes a two count and this pisses them off. The Samoans go to attack Captain Lou and Lou DQs the Samoans. The champs jump the Samoans and leave, but left the belts behind. The champs come back, and we get a pure six brawl, and the champs head back to the dressing room for good. Despite the fact that it skipped ahead a lot and a bad ending, it is, you know, it was an okay match, so I gave it, once again, three stars. We next see the TNT segment from the bloopers video where we see Lou dishing out love advice. So once again, you can skip that one. We also get another segment from the bloopers video where we see Lou talking about Cindy Lauper, which leads to the famous Piper's Pit segment with Sydney. You can go back to the review that video to check it out we then go to another segment from tnt where captain lou claims he has apologized to sydney and because and become sorry he becomes a, a good guy piper then comes on and we get a shouting match between those two we then get an interview with Monsoon and Albano where Lou talks about his career in wrestling and how he got the name Captain. We also see the tag match between Lou and Morocco versus Snuka and Scullin and other matches as well. We then go to another segment from TNT where Lou is in a pumpkin costume for Halloween which cuts to a vignette of Tito Santana mad at Captain Lou for taking a bite out of his sandwich. We then see Captain Lou carving a pumpkin with Vince and Alfred. And next we get a segment where Lou looks I mean, cooks uh, spicy spaghetti for Cowboy Bob Orton and Rowdy Ronnie Piper. Piper and Orton take a bite out of the spaghetti and spit it 
out. We then go to the conclusion of the six-man tag match from the beginning where Captain Lou's team wins. And frankly, I don't care. Yeah, I, I just lost interest after that. And so my final grade for this one is a D minus. I respect Captain Lou's legacy, but this video is complete garbage. The matches are short and most of them are either bad or okay. The only real match worth watching is the Samoans versus Rocky and Tony, but everything else is shit. And this is strongly recommended to avoid. Yeah, do not watch this video by any means. Do not watch this video. Alright, and now we're gonna look at our SummerSlam match here for our match of the day. And we're gonna be looking at all the SummerSlam matches here for the month of July leading up to SummerSlam 2022. And the match from SummerSlam 88 we're gonna be looking at is the first match here from this event the opener and that is the roju brothers taking on the british bulldogs that's right and like i said this took place in madison square garden which ironically is where the first wrestlemania took place so the first wrestlemania and the first SummerSlam all took place in Madison Square Garden. So this is very historic. So uh, let's get right into it. Bulldogs. on commentary for SummerSlam 88 was the Gorilla Monsoon and Superstar Billy Graham uh, one of the times when um, the relationship was good with the company uh, Jesse Ventura was the special guest referee in the uh, main event 
which was the Mega Powers and the Mega Bucks, as we see Davy Boy Smith there with Jacques Rougeau. And of course, Jacques would go on to become the Mountie. And Davy Boy Smith uh, would go on to become the British Bulldog. And both these guys would go on to become Intercontinental Champions in the year of 1992. Uh, Jacques would would win it at a house show against Brett the Hitman Hart, and only to lose it to Rowdy Ronnie Piper days later at the 1992 Royal Rumble. And the Bulldog would win it from Bret Hart at SummerSlam 92 and would go on to lose it to Shawn Michaels on the very last episode of WWF Saturday Night's main event before they would bring it back uh, years later. So both men would go on to uh, beat Bret Hart for the Intercontinental Championship, <laughs> which is impressive. And now we see Raymond Rougeau in the ring there. And oh, Raymond with a right hand. And of course, both guys had worked in uh, Calgary as well, Stu Hart's uh, promotion. Yep, they worked in Stampede. And now Raymond, oh, monkey flip. Arm drag. Davy Boy now tags in the Dynamite Kid. And Dynamite Kid, uh, at this time, he was somewhat still recovered from the back injury, but uh, he was never really the, the same. And, in fact, um, you know, a while after uh, SummerSlam, um, the Bulldogs would actually leave the WWF um, after a altercation with the Rojus, because what happened was uh, Mr. Perfect had uh, done a prank on the Roju brothers about the, you know, saying that the Bulldogs had messed with their gear or something, and um, and the Rojus they had uh, told the front office that it was the Bulldogs and and Dynamite Kid, of course. Um, got really mad and you know he beat up uh, Ramon and oh sorry it was Jacques and um, and Jacques uh, he got upset and then of course they wanted to get payback on them and then um, and one time before a show backstage um, Jacques had punched Dynamite Kid you know he had beat him up and stuff and after he had beat him up you know pretty badly um you know dynamite was pissed off he had wanted revenge and vince you know told him like no that's that's it this ends you know it's over and you know the bulldogs um you know they decided to leave after that um dynamite and davy um you know, they left right after Survivor Series 88, and uh, Davy Boy didn't come back to the to the company until uh, until 90. Yeah, until 1990, late 90, 91. 
and Davy Boy gets tagged in. And oh, sunset flip. Oh, Raymond finally flips him over. Nope. Flips over. One, two, nope. And of course, Dynamite gets tagged back in. And Dynamite still, you know, um, you know, he could still pull off some moves and stuff. You know, it was the the back injury at a at a house show. You know, at the time when him and and Davey Boy were the tag team champions, that really, um, that was really the beginning of the end. And it, it was really just a simple like he, you know, he hit the ropes and then he jumped over and then he landed badly and hurt his back. And then of course. Um, when they lost the tag team titles to the Hart Foundation, and um, mostly Bulldog um, worked the match, you know, because, um, you know, Dynamite had really injured his back. And he actually came back uh, from the injury too soon. You know, we see Matilda, the little dog there. Oh, there we see Jacques tripping up uh, Davy Boy there. And, you know, Dynamite Kid, you know, he was really um, a tremendous wrestler, both in tag teams, also in singles, too. I mean, he had tremendous matches in, in Japan, you know, against uh, Tiger Mask. And they actually had a great match in Madison Square Garden back in 81, I believe. Yeah, 81 or 82. And... That's actually uh, one of Becky Lynch's uh, favorite matches. If you go look at the uh, superstar picks on the on the network, and it's actually one of my um, my favorites too. And Dynamite Kid also uh, even before then when he was in uh, Stampede, you know he had a great feud with Bret Hart. I mean him and Bret Hart, you know they wrestled. Over the uh, Mid-Atlantic, um, you know, championship. I'm um, oh, sorry, the Junior Heavyweight Championship, I should say. Um, or whatever the belt was called in uh, Stampede. And they had tremendous matches. I mean, um, they were way ahead of their times. And um, they even had a boxing match at one point. You can go and look at their matches on on YouTube and you know they really did pave the way for other cruiserweights and lightweights whatever you want to call them and that's why they had uh, such great matches and tag teams when they came to the WWF and also the at this same event also uh, we saw the Ultimate Warrior win his first Intercontinental Championship against the Honky Tonk Man in a matter of seconds. <laughs> Very uh, historical as well. <clears throat> and of course, uh, SummerSlam has had a great history at Madison Square Garden. And um, I think the last, yeah, I believe the last time they were in Madison Square Garden was in 1998. I don't think they've been back to msg since then um of course uh, madison square garden 
in 98. That was the first SummerSlam that, um, that I ordered. Uh, my brother uh, ordered that for me. Yeah, he ordered that pay-per-view for me. So uh, to my brother Wayne, thank you. And I'll be uh, doing a match from that as well in the weeks to come. As we see Jacques there with an Indian Deathlock. And oh, Davy Boy rolls him up. No! Oh, double axe handle. Tags in Ramon. And Ramon, um, after the split up with the uh, with the Roju brothers, uh, he went on to do um, commentary for the W for the WWF uh, French commentary, and then uh, he also worked behind the scenes um, as well. And then that was pretty much it. And Davy Boy, oh monkey flip, tags in the Dynamite Kid. Oh, there's a headbutt. Throws him in the corner. Oh, suplex. Good snap suplex. You know, I said on the uh, Benoit, um, on the Benoit episodes, um, you know, it was the, you know, Benoit's best matches, you know, with my friend Prima. That uh, Dynamite Kid, Harley Race, and Chris Benoit, they both had the best snap suplexes in pro wrestling. Raymond gets thrown out of the ring. Oh, there goes Jacques. Oh. Davy Boy. Oh, throws him right into the guardrail. Crowd there in the ring. Yeah, Gorilla Monsoon calling it a happening. Yeah, it definitely was a happening. And I actually first, uh, the first time I saw the whole event, SummerSlam '88, I rented this from a from a blockbuster. Yeah, I rented it from a from a blockbuster when I was a uh, when I was a kid. This was back when um, they still had. Um, yeah, they still had. Um, you know, Blockbusters when I was a kid, and uh, they still had some of the old uh, Coliseum home videos, you know, from the 80s and 90s. Oh, running power slam by Davy Boy. One, two, no! Jacques broke it up. Oh, now the Dynamite Kid. Oh, there was no tag, but hey, the Rojus are breaking the rules, and so are the Bulldogs. Oh, and Jacques. Belly-to-back suplex. Oh, man. Double X. There by... By Jacques. Guess he tagged in. Oh. Scooping a slam. Oh! Drops the knee. <clears throat> One. Two. 
know. Double axe handle there by by Jacques. Oh, he's in the corner. Oh, talking trash to Davy Boy, using it to distract him. Davy Boy tries to get in. Nope. Attack there to Ramon. And oh, a stomach breaker. Ooh. Throws him in the ropes. That domino stretch there. Jacques got the dynamite kid. He's stretching him. Oh, and Davy Boy. Oh, breaks it up. Uh, no tag made. Raymond's in. Now he's applying the head domino stretch. Ref raising the arms. Well, Dynamite Kid gets out of there. Oh, chop. Ooh. Now they're slugging it out. Now, oh, good splash there by Jacques. One, two, no. Now, camel clutch. Sorry, reverse uh, chin lock there. Yeah, this is like good tag team, you know, wrestling we're seeing here. I mean, this is tag team wrestling at its peak here in the in the federation you know this is when they had good tag teams you know you had demolition you had the heart foundation you had the bulldogs the rojus and of course uh demolition and the heart foundation they'd be wrestling for the tag team titles uh later on that night and of course demolition wound up winning Yeah, you know, tag team wrestling, you know, was best in the um, mid '80s and early '90s for the uh, for the WWE WWF at this time. Now the Rojus are double teaming the Dynamite Kid. Oh. Now we see Ramon there. Once again, uh, reverse little chin lock there on the kid. And now, oh, 
Dynamite Kid backs him up in the corner. Oh, there's a tag there to Jacques. Oh. Oh, he hits Davy Boy. Referee's not looking. And oh, Dynamite rolls him up. One, two, he finally sees it. No. Once again, head domino stretch to the Dynamite Kid. And there's the tag. Now to Ramon. Uh, comes in doing that little strut. <laughs> and oh, martial arts kick. One, two, no, he kicks out. Front face lock. Trying to make the tag. Oh, he made the tag, but the referee didn't see it. Yeah, the referee was distracted. <laughs> now Jacques, cover one, two, no. Oh, good headbutt there by Dynamite Kid. Oh, and a chop. And finally, he makes the tag to Davy Boy Smith. Goes on the ropes. Oh, went for a drop kick, but he missed. Oh, right hand. Throws him in. Nope. Reversal. Throws him in. Nope. Reversal. Davy Boy's got him up. And, oh, crotches him right on that top rope. Oh, I know that hurt. One, two, no. Oh, Ramon accidentally elbow dropped Jacques. Now all four men are in the ring. Oh, headbutt. And now, Davy Boy's got dynamite and oh, launches and headbutt. Referee distracted though by Ramon. And the bell rings. Oh, it looks like the time limit. The time limit went out. Well, let's hear the let's hear the official announcement. Yep, 
great match. Great tag team opener there to, to kick off the event. Awesome match. Definitely worth looking at if you have the network. Highly recommend you watch it. And before I get out of here, I just want to say that I officially have the official podcast. Yeah, the official, sorry, not the official podcast, but the official Instagram page for Matt's World Podcast. Yep. Matt's World TV. Yep. At Matt's World TV on Instagram. You can go find it. Uh, you can also send me your questions there as well. If you have questions for me, uh, anything you want to see, let me know. And I'll also be giving you updates on episodes. I'll also be giving you guys reels as well. And also some live stream videos too. And Friday, going to be looking at a, another watch along. Yep, another watch along for American Horror Stories. And I have another exclusive update on Season 2 of Horror Stories. Yep, an exclusive. So make sure that you all tune in for that. Thank you all very much. Let me know what you think. And until then, don't have a good day. Have a great day. Bye-bye.